Welcome to another edition of the CDG BizCast. I'm your host, Christian Gonzalez, co-owner of Creativity Design Group, a digital marketing firm in Houston, Texas. Joining me today is my wonderful panel. Please welcome our lifestyle expert, Justin, and our concerned consumers in the United Kingdom, Lauren and Sarah. In today's episode of the CDG BizCast, we are going to discuss how to protect yourself from fraud. We're going to go over some basics, talk about what to look for, and how you can protect yourself and your loved ones from falling for scams related to investment opportunities and strangers in general who ask for money over the phone. It's important to remember that when you get a call on the phone from somebody that you do not know, you do not want to share any personal information with this person. Remember, you don't want to be a courtesy victim. People within the older generations are taught to be courteous at all times, no matter how they're being treated. And con artists are taking advantage of this greatly. It's a very dangerous situation. Remember that these financial scam artists are trying to get you to give up all of your personal information, your bank account. They want to know about your bank account. They want to know how much you have. And then they're going to try to trick you into giving it all to them. It's important to remember that when somebody is calling you, on the phone and they're offering some sort of opportunity for investment or maybe they claim that your computer was hacked some lie like that there's many variations of the scam that i could talk about but in general when somebody that you do not know is asking for money and they especially ask you to pay with a gift card they are a scammer and you should not entertain this person you should hang up we're going to talk about some basic steps that you can take to protect yourself and to protect your loved ones but first we are going to discuss some real life examples and justin here is going to talk more about his personal experiences with identity theft justin thank you for being on the show today please share with us what you know about identity theft and your personal experience with it and how you were able to fight it. First of all, thank you for having me on the show today, Christian. I'm a uh, recovering identity theft victim. It's been stolen more than five times through data leaks and other things. And one of the number one things that you can do to protect yourself is contact each of the three credit bureaus in the USA, TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian, and opt out of their pre-screen offers, emails, texts, and USPS mail, because scammers will often intercept those through corrupt means, and they will use the information in those applications, especially credit card applications are notorious for this, to falsify income, employment, and other information, and end up leaving you on the hook for hundreds of thousands. In fact, when identity theft protection laws were still in their infancy, I heard about somebody who had lost their driver's license because someone had used her identity to obtain treatment for epilepsy. And they'd had a seizure and fraudulently used her identity at the hospital where they got treatment for the seizure because it was stolen social security number. And one of the best things that you can do is get a confetti cut shredder for your mail that you're not going to reply to, which is credit card offers that manage to somehow show up in spite of you opting out of everything. There's going to be some stuff that does slip through the cracks. Anything that is something you don't want or you don't recognize that's tied to your name and address is able to be used by a scammer to compromise your identity. And web crawlers 
are one of the more interesting ways they'll use to steal your identity. Because if they can clone your mail, they can falsify your age, income, and other things to do all kinds of stuff, such as open credit cards in your name or run up debt at a casino or use your account to fraudulently obtain currency such as Bitcoin or other nefarious things. There's been people who've been arrested for murder because their information was given to the police by a fraudster who was not found out, who then was able to fraudulently post bail and ghosted the police. And uh, back when I was 17, I was living in the state of Utah, and I was working in fast food part-time because I was a minor. And somebody had taken my social security number, falsified my birth date and income, and opened a credit line at a casino in Las Vegas. I never found out which casino this was, but they had access to my social security number and my direct deposit bank account information at a national bank. They ran that credit limit up to 10 grand, and I ended up losing my checking account over it because neither bank believed that I didn't open that account because they falsified my age, employer, and income. On top of that, not only was I too young to gamble anyway, I was in a, living in a state where it's not legal to gamble, even scratch-off tickets. And that really makes me angry because, in all, it actually cost me almost four grand to get that cleaned up. That was expensive. It was extremely difficult to clean up the damage, and I still have a few lingering financial side effects because of that particular bout of identity theft. When you say that you had some side effects, how has it affected you personally and mentally? It's left me a lot more paranoid. One of the first things I do whenever I have a shred of the brakes is begin uh, saving up money to get a new one. It's made me a lot more cautious online. And on my personal mobile phone, there are only maybe two or three apps that I use without my VPN turned on that don't support VPN technology as an encrypted tunnel for protecting your information from the bad guys. Because it's not just enough these days to keep the bad guys out of your local system using a firewall. These days, because of how much capacity is in the information transmission pipes, if you will, there's enough space in there that the hackers are actually using their crawlers to intercept unencrypted information and see if they can collect enough of it to create a profile of their victims and then social engineer them into enough of a profile the social engineer customer support lines at call centers for multinational and national companies to spill enough information to compromise not only the account of the company of their victim that they've called but other accounts the victim has and the average identity fraud that occurs is between 500 to 25,000 in total damage that has to be cleaned up. The average legal fees to repair damage, depending on where you're at, range in about $8,000 per incident. And that's very unfortunate because most of us do not have $8,000 just lying around to be spent on trying to get our lives back in order. And on top of that, you end up having to file a police report, freeze your credit. Sometimes, depending on the extent of the damage, you might lose your savings 
checking and all your current credit cards, meaning that you'd end up having to open a brand new checking account somewhere else than where you were with and not be able to use a debit card anywhere and have to either go to the bank or write a check for all your bills. Yes, I can see what a hassle that can be. And most people don't even deal with checks. They don't like to carry them. They don't like to write them. It's too much of a hassle. We don't even accept them here at Creativity Design Group because mainly because we don't want to become victims of fraud ourselves. There are scammers out there who will buy your services and write you fake checks. But you know, that's a topic for another show. But I do see your point, Justin. I see exactly how identity theft can be very costly and how it could have major impacts on your overall daily life. I don't blame you for being paranoid. I don't blame you for always feeling cautious about everything all the time. I'm very cautious about who I deal with. I'm not a big fan of dealing with strangers myself unless I know that they're possible business contacts. But when it comes to trying to protect yourself, I want to go over a couple of different things that everybody should remember. But before I do that, I would like to also hear from Sarah. Thanks for having me on the show, Christian. Yeah, I've got a couple of just shortish stories, really. The first one is a friend of mine who had a bad experience with identity fraud and things like that. They bought some parcels from Amazon and stupidly forgot to take their personal details off of the packaging before they disposed of it. So it was out the front because uh, we have our rubbish collected by a recycling company who come along and they take all of our packaging and everything else and from there the a scammer fraudster whatever you want to call them got hold of their personal details they opened a bank account credit cards everything in their name they wondered why they kept getting emails from different banks they'd not banked with before and they got in touch with their own bank their bank was saying well it's nothing to do with us we can't do anything you'd have to contact the banks that the other banks that are involved so they then had to chase around and go through these emails and find who these banks were they'd never heard of a lot of the banks they were online banks in the end these people whoever they were had racked up about eight thousand pounds uh, english pound under their name so for them to try and get that you know, then they had obviously they had the bailiffs come in because they did they wasn't anything they'd bought so you'd have the bailiffs come um and they wanted to you know take the goods to the value so because they had to get the police involved it was extremely stressful and extremely lengthy for them to get actually prove that that wasn't them and the costs and that were wavered luckily but they did actually lose some money because it was in their name and they had to pay it back they said well we, you can't prove that it wasn't you who set up the initial account so they're still actually paying that off now but they learned a very expensive lesson by the fact that just Whenever you've got any packages from Amazon or wherever you order stuff from eBay, anything, destroy your name and address that's on the front, even if you scribble it out so you can't see it. Tear it off, cut it off before you dispose of that. As I say, they learned a very expensive lesson on that one. It happens. It happens to the most knowledgeable people. I mean, they were very, very up with all finances and stuff. Very, very good. Uh, keeping control but one little mistake cost them a lot of money so that's my first story 
The second one's a personal one. One of the best things that you can do for your information security when throwing things away is use a permanent marker to destroy and make irretrievable your name and address. And if it's on there, the phone number and tracking number and any barcode on a package or letter that you receive. And if it's paperwork you're not going to use in a letter such as a credit card application, please, for your own safety, financially and physically, shred it. And Justin, I want to add on to that as well, too. There is a product called the ID Police. I've seen commercials for it on TV several times. It's made by Bulbhead. You roll it over all the mail that you're about to throw away. You roll it over your name and address and all your personal information. That way, it covers it up completely to ensure that nobody can see it. It's supposed to be an alternative to scribbling it out with a permanent marker. You're right. It's important to make sure that your name and any personal information that you do not want to be made public or seen by scammers should be covered up as much as possible and going back to what you said earlier if you have junk mail letters letters for credit card offers for anything for applications for products and services that you're not interested in even getting just run them through the shredder invest in a shredder destroy your letters that way and also when you get unwanted offers for credit or credit cards open them up and make sure that you rip off the little paper card that comes with it too because that little paper card also has your application code on it that's also mentioned on the letter. Destroy that and destroy the letter and then destroy the envelopes. If you live in the back country and you have a wood-burning stove, I would highly, highly suggest that a really good way to dispose of those unwanted junk mail is to use it as starter, especially in the wintertime, for the fire in the wood burning stove if you've got one that you use. I've had an issue where my neighbour's daughter has tried to do fraud in my name when she got uh, my address and stuff. She tried to use my identity and my bank account and stuff to um, do fraud in my name. Yes, yes, that's actually a really good example. Please tell us more about what happened. Tell us about what she did and how you were able to fight back and recover and any tips that you might have for anybody who is listening. The first time she started um, harassing and stalking me, which was several years ago, about the same week or week after, I can't remember when exactly, someone rang me who sounded exactly like her husband, her ex-husband, claiming to be Barclays Bank. He was trying to get money out of my account, etc. Luckily, he didn't. And... Yeah, basically he tried to get money out of me for white goods or something, um, for Curry's PC World or something or something else he was saying. And then I asked if he's able to see the name of the person who's trying to get the money from my account. And he gave me a name of a person. So I looked this person up on Facebook. And the only person with that name was linked to these people. They, he literally was from down here where, um, in Cornwall in the UK. Um, not from up country where he said he was from and he was literally friends with everyone around here and them and everything so that's how I knew it was him that was the time where I felt she was going through my post and taking information etc and going through my rubbish and that's what we were just talking about when you throw away pieces of mail that have your personal information on it like your address as well as packaging you have to make sure that you completely destroy that scribble it out with a marker Buy the ID police tape, which is mm -hmm. used to cover up that personal information. Shred all this information. And like Justin was saying earlier, just hold on to these letters 
and then throw them in your fire pit when you need to start a fire. That's a great way to destroy all this information. Never have it available where somebody can just grab it take it identity theft is very costly it'll cost you a lot of money to get everything straightened out again and on top of that the mental anguish that you'll face from the after effects of identity theft are just hard to kick you're always going to be looking over your shoulder making sure that somebody isn't mm. trying to do harm to you you're always going to be panicking about whether or not your bank has been hacked one thing that is definitely more helpful than people realize is to freeze your credit files with transient Equifax and Experian if you're in the USA to make it that much harder for inquiries to be authorized without your permission for purposes of opening a new account, whether that be trying to open up a, a new account at a bank, whether that's checking, savings, credit, or other loan car loan, home loan, anything that way. They require that you verify it before it can go through. That's a very good tip as well. Do you know what proves to me as well is that my neighbor's daughter is a scammer? Well, we know she's a scammer anyway because she's done things where I've mentioned about her scams in the past, etc. And I've got evidence to it. But basically, she made a post earlier on today saying that me and Sarah were being racist towards her in our latest scam podcast when we didn't even mention her. We basically, I don't know if we mentioned something about the Indian scammers or something. She's not even Indian, she's British. And she was like basically clinging to anything to like use against me. And then all of a sudden I got a notification from YouTube Studio saying that a video I made where a woman used identity theft. And um, so this is a good one actually as well. This woman used identity theft and pretended her daughter had cancer in the States to get money and sympathy. And she got done by the law. Um, she got arrested, etc. And I made a video on it to warn people and just to advise people of the details of who to contact, who the person who got scammed by her told people's contact. And this bit, I got a notification day saying that video had been removed. And she's the only one who's been reporting my videos. Her post, because she's desperate to use anything against me because she knows she's got nothing on me because basically I'm tr trying to have her for trying to break into my home, harassment, etc. And she's trying to say that I'm being racist to her, even though I never have, because I told basically F off back to Nottingham in the UK, um, basically. And the police officer, because she tried to get me done for her hate, hate crime, the police officer told her that Cornish people are territorial and if you don't like it, just move back. <laughs> basically, sort of right through a na narcissism. And then, because she's so desperate to claim that I'm being racist. Me and Sarah did a podcast on my channel about scams, just scams with Sarah or whatever it's called. And she tried posting a clip of that on Facebook saying that we were being racist towards her and that's proof we're being racist towards her. Yet we were talking about Indian scammers or something, not her at all. And then, um, it's so desperate. And then today I got a notification from YouTube saying a video of mine had been removed, a scam video. And it was this woman who basically tried to act like her daughter had cancer to get um, GoFundMe and to get money to scam people. And she was using a woman who genuinely has a daughter with brain cancer. She was using her kindness as a weakness. And basically I did a video on it with the evidence of, I think, of what Taylor showed on her post on Instagram with information of details that people can contact if they've been scammed by her, etc. Because it was going through court proceedings. She had been taken to prison by the police up in the States somewhere. And um, so I made a video on it. 
and that video got removed and she's the only one who's desperately trying to remove my videos so look to me that proves she's a scammer because she's trying to remove stuff that is talking about scammers i see exactly what you're talking about it is definitely an act of desperation and as much as i hate to say this you know it's a sad fact of life that the world is full of morons like this. It's full of people who will just mess with other people just because they want to have their way. You didn't say anything about her in your video that you made, yet she's still trying no, to no, claim... No, no, nothing at all. It was just like me and Sarah were just talking about the latest scams. You can go back and watch that video. I only posted it like last week or whenever. It says scams with Sarah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and literally, she's just desperate to say that, with, with, that I'm racist to her when literally that video doesn't even mention her once talking about Indian scammers and she took the clip where we were talking about Indian scammers or something to prove I'm, we're racist even though Sarah was the one talk talking. She was trying to falsely accuse you of slander. And also there's another thing called abuse litigation which I didn't even know was a thing which I sent you a message about the other day which we should talk about in um, things because it can affect people with businesses. She's causing abuse litigation by applying to the court to sue me for reporting her basically and she can get into a lot of trouble for that and i'm hoping my solicitor can put in a motion to restrict that when i speak to them next week but she's absolutely batshit crazy man <laughs> yeah i can tell i mean let's hope she doesn't find this podcast episode and try to support my oh, channel <laughs> oh it won't get reported anyway it won't get removed but um she'll she can try she, i think she knows where all we we all are she's done a lot of stalking she was stalking sarah at one point and then commenting on your under your video on sarah's video your comment even under on sarah's video but i think sarah wanted to say something yes yes i just wanted to mention that too real quick and i'm gonna pass the mic over to her when i yeah. saw that spam comment on the video, the first thing I did was I reported that person and then I blocked them and then I never saw them again. They'll never be able to comment on a Creativity Design Group video ever yeah, again, yeah. whether it be a BizCast or anything else we upload. So I feel I've taken the necessary action to make sure that she doesn't harass any of us. And she has no reason to harass me, for mm -hmm. one thing, because she didn't even know me. I was just going to add on to what Lauren was saying. Um, I, well, I haven't personally done anything to that particular person, and we didn't even contact her. But yeah, as you say, she commented on one of my videos, which wasn't actually video-related. So I was very polite and told her that only comments that were related to the video would be looked at. And please don't post on my videos if you haven't actually watched them and you haven't got a thing to say about them. And I left it a couple of days, then I reported her and I blocked her. Because I also don't want people like that looking at my channel and all my stuff. Despite me posting <coughs> the full-blown evidence of my neighbour trying to break in, which she got removed, so I reposted a video with some of the evidence that he was trying to break in because I thought, these people ain't going to get away with this. She was trying to hide it. She wouldn't show anyone that evidence of her um despite me putting the evidence back up of her dad trying to break into my property and evidence that she was here shouting and screaming at me on one of the days she tried to break in when she told me she wasn't and i was crazy despite that some that aaron guy is still trying to gaslight me which is uh, which is illegal um which i didn't realize um gaslighting was as legal as it was and he's basically trying to say that i need mental health support i need to sort out my mental health etc there's nothing wrong with my fucking mental health you know what i mean all i'm doing is reporting and standing up to these people and name and exposing them for what they're like my mental health is in a good place considering to where i was several years ago so 
I'm going to be using their names to give to my solicitor because there is a law against gaslighting. So, which is great when they've seen the truth, but they still continue to gaslight you and act like you're the one with the problem. Yeah, just shut them down. Just do whatever you can to shut these people down. These people have no life. These people have no life. They're stupid. They're morons. They don't even know how to handle themselves. They are just that ridiculous. The one uh, Lauren was talking about, the Aaron Speller, he's the one, he started uh, going after me as well for no particular reason. I don't even know who he is. Um, so it just shows you whoever is on Lauren's videos, just watch out because these people will be trying to go for you next. If that person happens to be listening to this one particular episode, I only have one thing to say to you. Get a life. Get a life. Get a job. Do something better with your life. Quit harassing these innocent people and leave them alone. And they're wondering, they're wondering why social services are highly involved in them too. They're saying, oh... We've got social services on the mass, regardless of whether I reported into social services or not, because I've got a crime open against Ramona, who has children in her care. Social services automatically get to see that there's a crime report that's being filed against someone who has children in her care, whether they were with her on that occasion or not. <laughs> it's like, uh, grow up, concentrate on your kids and stop trying to harass people who you know you're scared of you know you can't defend yourself to in a court you know what i mean like i'm the one for the evidence <laughs> it's just ridiculous yeah, parent of the year right there one thing that i think is an absolute genius on the part of some of these uh, credit bureaus is that they have a service you can subscribe to for a couple of dollars a month where they'll go through mm -hmm. 50 or so backwater sites that put together profiles from online data brokers and they'll go through, and as long as you sign over the rights to do so to them, they will force those data brokers to take your information out of the data broker's database. Something that many of in the U.S. might be needing to consider in the age of identity leaks. I know that there are tools out there that you could subscribe to, like you mentioned, and one of them being Aura, which many scam baiters have been recommending. I wanted to go back into discussing how to handle general phone scammers and suspicious telemarketers. Now, it's important to remember, just like I said earlier, when a stranger is starting to ask for money over the phone, the best thing to do is hang up because most likely that person is a scammer. What you need to do is do your due diligence. Verify the source first and then trust them. For example, I know it's hard to trust debt collectors now, legitimate debt collectors, because a lot of us don't know if they are scammers or not. If you know for a fact that you have delinquent credit card debt and you're getting a call from a collection agency asking you to hand over your social security number and other personal information, don't just do it. Make sure that this is a legitimate debt collection agency. Look them up, call your credit card company and confirm that your outstanding debt is now being taken care of by this agency before you tell them anything. And never ever feel pressured by someone into making an immediate decision where you don't have any chance to do said due diligence. What scammers will do is, when you're talking to them, they're never going to let you question them. They're never going to give you an opportunity to hang up the phone so you could do your due diligence and research, find out if this firm is legitimate or not, because they know that you're going to find out something on the internet, or maybe a friend's going to tell you that you're being scammed. So as soon as they start to highly pressure you, they start trying to tell you, no, you got to do this now. 
now. Don't don't do this. Don't do that. Just listen to me. Act and do what I'm saying. Don't do anything else. If they're just going to be like that, if they're just going to tell you that you need to listen to them, you have no choice but to listen to them, or you're going to end up in jail, or your bank account's going to be emptied, or something scary like that, that is how you know that you are speaking to a fraudster, and you can safely hang up on this person. Once you've hung up on this person, block their phone number and install some apps that will help you filter out future fraud calls. One thing that you might want to understand is that if you have debts that are more than 7 to 10 years old, with some exceptions, the debt might be time barred by law where they cannot collect against you as long as you do not acknowledge the debt is actually valid and that can be especially helpful if you are dealing with the debt of a deceased loved one for whom you're the executor of the estate if the creditor contacts you more than five years later some of those debts at that point become time barred and the estate at that point cannot be legally sued for those debts yes very important. in some cases very important to know one of the few exceptions to that rule student loan debt yes justin i agree with you and that's important for everybody to remember especially if you have outstanding debt that extends that far back yeah i just wanted to add to what you were saying about the phone scams if you have anyone on the phone who is probably a scammer they're going to be very polite to you hello good hello lady or missus they'll call you by your name if they've got your details and they'll say how are you today how's the weather and they'll get into general chit chat you need to then straight away you should be thinking this is a scam this is a scam because no one is polite no one no. wants to speak to you like that and that should give you a red flag straight away politeness and everything else and the fact that They've probably spoofed the number and also you're going to hear hustle and bustle in the background. Not necessarily. It could be a recording. So it might only be a couple of people in a room, but it's going to be very hustly and bustly. You're not going to really hear what anyone's saying. You're going to struggle. Just put the phone down on them. Don't even speak to them. It's not even worth it. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to discuss how scammers and fraudulent telemarketers will pull this stunt in order to gain trust from a victim. They will be friendly, they will be sweet as apple pie towards their victims, especially if they're elderly victims, because they know that elderly people are most likely alone and they want somebody to talk to. So they are going to develop a false bond, a false sense of friendship, and it should not be taken lightly and you should be extra cautious when somebody that you don't even know is already trying to develop a, some sort of friendship with you just like that, especially if it's someone on the phone. It's important to remember that you don't want to be a courtesy victim. You need to understand that when somebody is being this nice to you and they're asking you nicely to do this, do that, and it involves your money, hang up on them. They're just trying to steal your money. It's also important to remember that when a telemarketer calls you, don't ever be swayed by any offers of unrelated advice and assistance. They're just doing that to make themselves look like that they care. They want to present the image that they have a heart when in reality, they are evil people. They are just trying to put up a front so they can sway you eventually into giving them all of your money. Uh, there's also something that I'd like to call attention to that some scam baiters have actually mentioned called the delayed disconnect scam, where the scammer will call your landline if you have one 
and they'll pretend to be your bank and they'll mention that you need to call somebody at a local branch. Use the title of some sort of manager of who they need you to talk to to get it cleared up. But what they do is then don't completely disconnect the call because they then will be still on the line depending on the carrier five to ten minutes later in some cases up to a half an hour where after being notified of the scam you supposedly think that you were called your bank and that you were talking to the person who you would ordinarily contact and then what happens is they played a false dial phone falsely played back a ringing tone and guided you into their co-worker in the scam center that they run and then they've gotten a hold of your identity because of everything you typically would do to verify your information to the bank when dealing with the front department there are a lot of good videos on both twitch and youtube about that particular scam and i would highly encourage everyone who has a landline or knows someone with a landline at home to Please watch some of those videos so that you can be warned about it. Thanks for sharing that information, Justin. That is a scam that sadly is very rampant right now. I watch a lot of scam baiting videos myself and I have noticed that many scammers, whether it be the tech support scam or the SSA scam or any type of scam in general, they will try to pretend to be your bank and then they'll even go as far to pretend that they are the fraud department and that they are even the police department just to scare you into giving in. That's the next topic I wanted to discuss actually, I wanted to talk about how scammers will use psychological tactics to get their elderly victims especially to give in. Scammers do like to view elderly people as helpless and lonely with no recourse should they get robbed. That's why they go after them the most. And what some scammers will do is they will start to prey on elderly people's fears. Examples being, they will tell them that they're going to end up outliving their savings that they have, or they'll see all of their financial resources vanish overnight as a result of a catastrophic event such as costly hospitalization. By playing on these fears, the scammers will try to pitch some sort of some sort of false product that will help them build up their life savings to help them avoid running out of money. They'll pitch them some sort of product that will ensure financial stability, but in reality, it's just a scam to steal your money. It's an investment opportunity that could bankrupt you and leave you with nothing. It's important to remember that you can call your state securities board to tell you if an investment product that's being offered is legitimate or not. If it's not, then you can just bypass this and you can even report them to your state securities board to ensure that this scammer is reported and hopefully some action will be taken against them to stop this. Remember that scammers in general they will do whatever they can to prey on your fears. They will do whatever it takes to get every single dollar out of your accounts. They'll go after your checking, your savings, anything you have. Here is the cherry on top to remember. The moment they ask you to pay with a gift card, you can automatically write that off as a scam. You can feel safe knowing that nothing's going to happen to you if you ignore this person. If they're threatening to arrest you, if they're threatening to empty out your bank account, those are all phony threats. They don't have the power to do that. You're not talking to a federal agent. You're not talking to someone at a major software company. You are talking to some nobody 
who has no life, who is just trying to con people all over the world out of all their money so they could spend it on whatever they want to spend it on. I've seen videos of scammers spending the money on drugs. I've seen videos of them spending it on luxury items such as fancy cars, big houses. They are stealing money from grandmothers and grandfathers all over the world just so they can enrich themselves. And they're doing this under the pretense that these elderly victims are helpless and lonely. I need to make a very important point here. For those of you who have elderly loved ones, remember to check on them regularly. Some people who were scam victims are embarrassed to admit that they were scammed. They're worried that they're going to look stupid in the eyes of all their loved ones and all their friends. If you're an elderly person and you're worried about scams, I want you to drop that false belief right now. You are not going to look stupid because you were scammed. If you were scammed, your family and your friends and colleagues want to help you recover. If you feel that you've had your money stolen, report it to the bank, file a police report. Even though the police might not be able to help you, it still helps to file a report. And then contact somebody who can help you. Contact a family member. Do not get this sense of embarrassment because you were scammed. If you were scammed, get help right away. And don't wait either because the longer you wait, the harder it will be to get some help. Report it to the bank right away. If you received a suspicious call, don't be afraid to hang up on this person and call somebody else for help. They will be able to verify if you were talking to somebody who was a scammer. Yeah, um, I just want to just tell you about a quick story. A few years ago, we, we have loyalty cars in uh, Nectar Points um, mm. with Sainsbury's and then you can use them on eBay and things like that. Now, you never used to be able to use them on eBay, but you can. No, yeah. Um, which is connected to Sainsbury's. Well, years ago, when I worked at the store I worked at, um, if we got a great customer service, like 100%, we'd all get nectar points. Well, I'd accumulated, I think it was 20,000 nectar points. I'd saved them up over probably about two years. And I was saving them up because then I could spend them in Argos and get a telly because my telly was not very good. So I wanted to get a new telly. So I was saving up, saving up, saving up. One day I thought, oh, I've got some nectar points. I want to use a few just for a product in the store. So I went to pay and they went, you've got nothing on there. I went, what? You've got no nectar points left on your card. I went, but I haven't used them. So from then on, I had to phone Nectar. Nectar then spoke to, at the time, which was our um, HR lady. I had to have a secret meeting with the HR lady. And they, Nectar themselves, had to data mine the whole entire store. So I was not allowed to speak to any of the colleagues about the Nectar points, the Nectar card, because every single one of them was being investigated. It took me a year for them to come back to me and say, we are so very sorry. It was somebody working at our head office at Nectar cloned your card, loyalty card, and spent all the points while you was at work. Because I could prove I was at work because of the CCTV and the fact that we had to clock in and clock out. So they could see that I couldn't spend points while I'm working. And they'd found that they'd spent them in London. Uh, they'd spent them in Brighton. Uh, they'd gone up to Newcastle. So I had nothing left. So Nick to themselves actually gave me 40,000 points 
as a total apology and that person got actually taken to court for theft because I wasn't the only one who had their card cloned loyalty card so it's very easily done you just have to watch everything yes yes and as i say it was only that i wanted to use my points that i actually found that I had nothing on there and i knew okay. i hadn't spent any of them now businesses implement loyalty programs all the time but how they monitor them makes the difference and it sounds like that over at nectar they were not doing a very good job because one of their own employees who works at their corporate office stole your card now having your points stolen is not as dangerous as having your entire identity stolen but still the same principle applies here it's unethical it's not right for them to do that and it seems like that they need stricter security measures to ensure that internal theft is not happening nectar have learned from it because basically i had a problem where for a while i didn't log into my nectar account and i had like loads of money accumulated on it and i was too lazy to ring up to um because it uh, now if you want to change when you log in you have to have a mobile number set up to get a code and if your mobile number is different on there they don't let you change your mobile number via the app or online you have to ring up customer service now to change your phone number to get the link so i think that's part of the where they really changed up they've really stepped up their security so it no longer hopefully happens that makes sense with the situation that sarah had i don't know how to explain it better but with their security they've stepped it up now where you can't change your contact number in the app or anything you have to ring up to do it so then you can access your account now yes it's just extra security that they've added yes yes well, way is good it can be annoying if you don't want to have to ring up but it is good right i understand because wait times can be lengthy but it's all for the safety of each customer many banks also require you to verify by passcode or text message many banks will also have to send out a text message with a passcode to ensure that it's you calling should you decide to call them for assistance with your account yeah sorry i just wanted to add to that um they had actually not only cloned my card number and every every single thing that was on the card they actually had my name on it so they actually had put my my actual whole name on it so they'd not only just cloned the card they'd cloned it looked exactly the same as mine but the the investigation team were were brilliant actually because i actually had a meeting with someone from nectar who actually come down and was so apologetic they said we didn't realize this was happening so this was obviously, this was lead up to them changing how they have their cards secured. As Lauren was saying, there's like a long process now with the phone numbers and things like that linked to it, which you do with most cards. But back then, you're talking quite a few years ago, I'm talking about, but at the time that was a big, big thing. And it was very, very unusual. And I was told that I was one of only two of them. They had two cards, so there was only two of us that they actually stolen from the other person. They didn't really get a chance because the person realised sooner than I did that they had nothing left on the card. But yeah, it was a uh, it was pretty scary, I must admit, especially when you think we all actually could be working with somebody who's actually cloned your card. But it turns out it was nobody I knew. It's good. Identity theft 
and all forms of fraudulent activity can be very scary and if you're a victim of it one time chances are you're going to be more cautious about it once you've learned the after effects about how it feels we've been discussing about how the mental anguish can be so severe it's important to remember that and especially if you are an elderly victim don't be afraid to ask for help see there are two reasons why elderly people now we're talking about elderly people in general People of all ages should be cautious, but now I am talking specifically about elderly people. There are two reasons why they are afraid to ask for help. The first one I mentioned earlier, they are embarrassed and they are worried that they are going to look stupid in the eyes of their family and friends. The other reason is they're worried that their family might put them in a care facility, a nursing home. That's the other reason why they're afraid of that. They feel that because they made this mistake, they need stricter supervision. I just want to say this, destroy those fears just because you were scammed does not mean you are stupid. Some of the smartest people in the world have gotten scammed. Now, I have almost fallen for a few scams myself, but I was able to back right out of it when I started to realize what I was going through. I want to mention this for all the new listeners who aren't familiar with scam baiting. Jim Browning, the world's greatest scam baiter, was scammed himself back in 2021, and it cost him his YouTube channel, but thankfully he was able to recover it. So, I just want to say, you are not stupid if you got scammed, they use these extreme psychological tactics to trick you into handing over all of your money, all of your assets. And all you have to do is remember, take everything cautiously. Write off anyone who calls you asking for money as a scammer automatically and hang up on them, get help, consult with somebody you know, and have them check it out for you. That's one thing that I find that you can automatically do most of the time is just, if they ask you to pay for a gift card, hang up and block the number because A, it's going to be spoofed, and B, they are a scammer. That's right. That's two things that are automatic in the USA. If they call you asking you to pay with a gift card and they tell you they work for the government or a debt collector, hang up because that's an automatic scam. And one thing that people are may or may not be familiar with is the fact that scammers are basically pathological liars who are engaging with psychological attempts at torture is basically what it is. They are attempting to torture you into doing what they want. And they're using fear as their weapon. Yes, that's correct. Four things that you'll want to look out for when you're talking to somebody on the phone who might be a scammer. Are they making rude, demeaning comments about you? Are they threatening you? Do they get extremely defensive and act suspicious when you ask legitimate questions when you have concerns? Do they get extremely hostile whenever you ask them to verify that they are real or if you have questions in general? Do they threaten to put you in jail or do something much worse? I mean, I've even heard scammers make death threats. Think about it. Is somebody from a government agency or from a major company going to threaten your family like that? Think of that. As soon as you know that they are doing these things, hang up on them and report them to the proper authorities. And of course, talk to a friend, talk to somebody who's an expert in these matters, such as with a banker. They'll be able to determine if you were talking to a scammer. And of course, if you've already given money to them, reverse the charges. If you spent gift cards on them, Tell your bank and see if they'll work with you in getting the charges reversed. And then, of course, have evidence to back up that you were possibly scammed, especially if they have been emailing you. If you've given the big tips that people need to look out for, especially on the phone. I want to conclude the show by saying this. When you go through life in general, always, 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 always remember that when you are dealing with any strangers, be skeptical 
and suspicious, especially if they are being overly nice to you. And if you know that they're trying to sell you something, and we had a whole podcast episode about this last summer, be cautious. They may be trying to sell you a phony product or one that just doesn't work, and they don't care at all if they're ripping you off. They're just thinking about how much money that they're going to make off of commissions when they make the sale. But when it comes to scammers, you'll see the aggression and the hostility much greater. They will make threats to you. They will get loud. They'll try to do whatever they can to get you to give in. Fear is their biggest weapon that they have. But all they have is words. If you don't give in to the scammers, they can't hurt you. Just ensure that you block all their numbers after you've spoken to them and that if you've already let them into your computer, because they will do screen sharing sessions to try to get you to do certain things to give in. We use mm -hmm. TeamViewer, AnyDesk, UltraViewer. Uninstall yeah. these programs from your computer after you've had your interaction with them. And then, of course, if you've already let these scammers into your bank accounts or any other accounts that have sensitive information, change the passwords immediately. Yes, I just want to finish off just by saying to protect yourself from financial fraud, people should monitor their banking and credit cards account regularly. Correspond safely with any institutions you work with. Get your affairs in order. Learn how to spot a phone and email scam. Pull your credit reports. Mind your mail and your emails. Check them all. Stay safe. Yes, very well said. And let's also talk about what to look out for when spotting typical scams as we get ready to close out. If you get a pop-up on your computer to start, if you're using your computer and you get a pop-up saying that you have a virus and it's a web-based pop-up, maybe it came up while you were browsing the internet, it's going to have Microsoft logos on, it's going to have Windows logos, all sorts of different logos of real companies. And if it has a really loud noise, some of them do, some of them don't. This is a scam. Just close it out. If you keep trying to close it and it doesn't go away, that is also proof that it's a scam. You'll need to force quit your browser to close in order to get rid of this. But it's a scam. Don't call the number in the pop-up because you will get connected to someone who will tell you all these lies about your computer being under attack. And then they're going to ask you to buy gift cards so they can take care of the hackers. There are no hackers in your computer. Also look out for government-related scams, such as with the IRS and the SSA. Here in the U.S., it's already tax time at the time of us recording this. If they're pretending to be the IRS, they are going to tell you that you have excess amount of taxes owed and that you need to pay this right away or you're going to go to jail. Now, the IRS is not going to automatically put you in jail simply because you have outstanding taxes. They will give you a chance to pay these taxes before they decide to prosecute. Remember that. They're not going to try to put you in jail up front. Chances are the scammer is going to instill this sense of fear and urgency telling you that you need to pay right now, right now. Don't even question it. Just give it to us right now or we're just going to send the cops and have you arrested. The IRS does not do that and on top of that the IRS does not call people about this they will send you a letter but they're not going to call you the SSA scam Social Security Administration this scam is more popular than the IRS scam because the IRS scams only seem to heat up during tax season but throughout the rest of the year these same scammers who push the IRS scam are pushing the SSA scam I'll tell you that you're a victim of identity theft that your ID and Social Security number was tied to an arrest warrant related to an abandoned car they'll tell you that it's usually at the border of Texas. The state varies, but they mainly use Texas. They'll tell you that the car is full of blood and drugs and that you are getting in trouble for 
possession of cocaine. So that's another scam to watch out for. The SSA is not going to call you. They'll tell you that you need to pay this much money to get your name cleared, but in reality, they're just giving your money freely. They don't have any authority to send the cops to your house. They can't prosecute you. They are not calling from a government agency. They are scammers. I also want to talk about this scam that really makes my blood boil because it only targets elderly people and it's hotly pushed, especially during the Medicare enrollment period. The Medicare Advantage scams that you see pushed, they advertise like crazy starting in October all the way up through the Medicare enrollment deadline in December. You'll see all these commercials talking about these extra benefits that you're going to get for enrolling in their programs. They use the colors of Medicare. They'll even show pictures of Medicare cards. These commercials are not from the Medicare agency. They're not from the U.S. government. These are private entities who are trying to rip off elderly people by pushing this phony Medicare stuff onto them and hoping that they'll get a buck off of it. Go to your insurance agencies if you need help with Medicare. Do not fall for any of these commercials because they are just trying to rip you off. They are making their plan sound good that you get this benefit, you get that benefit, but in reality, they're just trying to steal your money. And then when you try to go to the doctor and then they find out that this phony plan you have is out of network, chances are there aren't any doctors in your area that are within this plan's network because it's a phony plan. It's just junk. And then what happens when you have a life-threatening sickness? You end up dying because this phony Medicare plan would not allow you to see a doctor. So please, please, please do not entertain or call any of the numbers related to these scam commercials. I still see them on TV occasionally now, but during the Medicare enrollment period, I see it more often. Ignore them. We'll use famous faces to beef these commercials up. Again, they're just doing that so they can get your trust. That's my take right there. I've summed up a couple of different scams to look out for. Does anybody else have anything they'd like to say? At first, um, until the other day when you obviously suggested um, TeamViewer, I thought I always thought of TeamViewer as a bad thing because you hear about it in people talking about scams online etc and like i didn't know that you can use it for like friends and stuff obviously i won't use it for anyone other than you christian because at the moment you're the only one i trust to go into my computer if i've got any issues but like yeah i didn't realize that team viewer could be used in a positive way yes and team viewer itself has a lot of negative publicity because people assume that it's bad just like you did because scammers use it team viewer is not malware a lot of people think team viewer is malware and a lot of corporations use it too believe it or not i use it when i need to work with my clients but it's only so that i can see their screen or they can see my screen i don't steal their files or anything like that team yeah. viewer itself is a great piece of software but you just need to make sure that you're only using it with legitimate organizations and not with criminals yeah me and sarah were talking in a podcast about like indian scammers i think we mentioned because most of the scammers you'll get they come for us indians and like my neighbor's daughter was um trying to use that saying we're being racist to her even though she's british not indian <laughs> you know we weren't talking about that but then she's got to then i i don't know i think i don't know if i was gonna i was gonna say it and put in a video but i decided not to post a video because i didn't want to give her the um attention i was going to say to her which i decided not to if she wants to sue me and sarah for talking about indian scammers she's then got to go and sue people like trilogy media pierogi all the other people that go and take down these indian um, scammers the ones that actually go to india to catch a scammers you know what i mean yeah i know yes. with her boneheaded logic that's what she would have to do she'd have to go out and sue all the scam baiters one other thing that i need to stress the importance of 
one other disclaimer I need to make is that we all understand that not all Indians are scammers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the people of India are great people. The three nations that scams yeah. come out of the most are India, Jamaica, and Nigeria. I also wanted to mention that out of Jamaica, the only scam they seem to specialize in is the PCH scam, the Publishers Clearinghouse scam. Publishers Clearinghouse... Yeah does not call people to tell them that they've won anything. So that's what these scammers are doing. They're calling up random people. They're hoping that they're elderly people, telling them that they've won big, that they've won a lot of money from Publishers Clearinghouse, they've won their sweepstake, and that they need to buy them a gift card for some sort of processing fee. And I've seen scam baiters try to counter these scammers by telling them, why don't you just take the processing fee out of my winnings? And then it just turns into this huge argument where they're telling you, no, we can't do that. They can't do that because there is no winnings. They want you to buy these gift cards so they they could steal money from you. PCH is not going to call you to tell you that you've won. And one other big red flag, sometimes the PCH scammers will tell you that Ed McMahon will be showing at your house. Ed McMahon is no longer alive. He passed away back in 2009. So if they're telling you that Ed McMahon is going to come and deliver a big check to your doorstep, automatically write it off as a scam. Of course, automatically write off anytime somebody claiming to be PCH is a scam because they don't call people. And unless Ed McMahon comes back from the dead as a zombie, he's not going to be knocking on your door giving you a big check. Exactly. And it's like the thing is with engine scammers, like me and Sarah, Think. I'm not sure what we talked about in that quick that hour podcast. I can't remember because my memory's bad. But um, I'm sure I meant probably mentioned about the um, the people you ringing us on UK numbers pretending to be our housing disrepairs teams, but they're Indian people. I think she's trying to use that as being racist as well. When common knowledge that these people sound Indian when you speak to them, like you know, you can't. You're not going to say, oh. They sound French if they're sounding Indian, just to um, spare people's feelings, are you? You know what I mean? Wow, yeah, I know. doing it because she's got nothing on me, because I've got like over five, nearly 600 pieces of um, evidence on her. I've not slandered her in them. I have evidence to everything I've said. And she's so desperate. She's just trying to make out now we were racist in that scam podcast. She said nothing about her and she's got no leg to stand on. It's hilarious. She obviously fried her brain cells with drugs years ago that she now thinks that everything she is saying is accurate when to a normal person from the looking in on it, it's not normal. Many scammers have this mindset just like that because she's a scammer too. Mm. They tell their own lies so much that they actually start to believe them themselves. Yeah, and that's what it is, yeah. Just something, just briefly, really. Going back to what Lawrence says about, like, the Indian scammers and things. The reason we think they're Indian ones is because they sound Indian. They might not necessarily be from India or they Pakistan or Nigeria. We don't know. So that is just what they sound like. They're Indian. And I've got nothing against any of them. I've got so many friends who are Indians, Chinese people or anything like that. Because if, no if they sounded Scottish, we should say they sounded Scottish, not Indian. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't care where the scammers are from. I don't like scammers. I don't like scammers. I don't care what, what your background is. There's a lot of American scammers, too. The most dangerous liars and the most dangerous scammers are those that believe their own lies. Very well said. They push these lies so much, they start to believe them themselves. Thank you guys once again for being on the show. We had a very productive episode. We've gone over a lot of different tips and tricks, and we've called out how to spot out certain scams. I especially kept our elderly audience in mind that we mm. really want you to seek out help. 
and be open if you've gotten scammed. Please, please, please do not think that everybody else is going to think you're stupid because we won't think you're stupid. We're going to want to help you out and try to help you recover. Remember to take every suspicious call with caution and if they ask for money, don't entertain the call. Stay safe, everybody. Don't get scammed. And we look forward to having you back on the next episode of BizCast. Thanks for joining us.